it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello there, welcome to this episode of New Horizons. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks once again for joining us. The Barry Jones Vision Oration has been delivered now for three years by Vision 2020. This year, the oration was delivered by Naz Campanella, the ABC's disability affairs reporter. Not talking about her work with the ABC, however, talking about becoming a parent for the first time. We bring you edited extracts from her presentation, as well as some of the questions and answers following. 13 months ago, I became a mum for the first time. And I can say that it has been my greatest challenge and probably will continue to be. I did a lot of preparation when thinking about getting pregnant. Most of it was really talking to other disabled parents. So that is not people with disabled children, but parents with disability themselves who had children. And I want to make that distinction because it's very different. The people that I was talking to would tell me about the lack of resources, the lack of accessible services, the lack of equipment, the fact that they would often need to purchase equipment and then pay a lot of money to have it modified to suit their needs so they could be an independent parent. They would talk to me about the attitudes they'd faced, mostly negative, about whether they should be a parent at all and how they went about their parenting. It was all confronting and scary. And, of course, there were lots of incredibly positive stories. But a lot of the really raw and real stories that were shared with me were shared with one goal in mind, and that was to prepare me for what I was about to face. Not parenting itself, but prepare me for the society in which I was about to, I guess, in a sense, be pregnant in and then give birth in and and be a parent in. I'd done a lot of research about the models of care that I wanted for myself. I'd done everything from going to speak to private obstetricians right through to talking to some of my disabled friends about whether to go in the public system and did I need a midwife? Did I need a mod- an obstetrician? Did I need what kind of things did I need to prepare for? And I had decided I wanted the same person to see me at all my appointments because I did not want to have to go in and see a different person each time or every few weeks and discuss my life story, tell them everything they should have already known. So as soon as I was pregnant, I called my local hospital. And I was lucky enough to be put into a midwifery group practice program. Basically, I would see the same midwife every time I went into the hospital. And she would connect me with all the different services and supports that I needed. But we quickly realised, we being myself and my midwife, that there weren't a lot of supports and services out there. Now, I already knew this. So I had come in to her with all the services that I had, which was an occupational therapist to show me how to look after my baby, right through to a cane instructor who would show me how to get around all the different places, an exercise physiologist who would continue exercising with me, a physio who would make sure that I was prepared for birthing, right through to, you know, um, even little things like having a support group. I had my support group that I made up myself through a group of friends. 
I was lucky to share that information with the midwife, but she realized very quickly that of all the midwives that were working in the huge hospital that I was about to give birth in, most of them had 20 to 30 years experience, but none had ever supported a woman with disability before. And she was very honest with me about what expertise she had and what she didn't. And I, in turn, was the same with her. I was very honest about how nervous I was feeling and what I had put in place, but what I was worried about. And for me, that meant that I actually had the best care I ever could have asked for. Because in a sense, because nothing was in place, my midwife and her team of obstetricians, et cetera, put together everything they could from across their field. But I would love in the future for it not to be potluck that a disabled woman walks into hospital to give birth and is just lucky enough to strike strike gold with a team like mine. It should just be the norm. Parents, no matter their disability, should be able to walk into a hospital and be able to join a support group and just know what they need because it's all laid out there for them. I want to share with you just in, in wrapping, I guess, some of the key learnings that I identified, I guess, the gaps that I identified and some of the ways I think they can be filled. So I guess the first one was really the lack of accessible resources, equipment and services. The fact that I couldn't do a birthing class without a lot of support from my partner, I mean, a partner should be there anyway, but without a lot of support from even things like describing the videos um, was, was unacceptable. I've realised there's really no data capturing the kinds of parents that are coming into the hospital, the disabilities they have, the supports they have, the structures they used to be a parent and there needs to be because we need a mentoring program for people when they come into a hospital. There should just be a database where midwives and obstetricians can look up and say, oh, there's a group of dis- people with disability who have given birth you know, in Brisbane, you're in Sydney, let's connect you with them. They've got the same sorts of scenarios that you do and let's make sure that you can get some advice from them because the most well-trained midwives, obstetricians and doulas can give me all the birthing advice they want. But when it comes down to it, I go home with my baby and my partner and we don't have them to draw on when we go home. And finally, training and support for the medical team that is working with us. I think this actually extends to everything from OTs to ophthalmologists right through to reception staff. But here I'm focusing solely on midwives and obstetricians and the staff that work with them because I've heard so many stories about parents with disability. The moment they have their baby, they're in their room trying to figure it all out and, you know, settling in and just enjoying those newborn cuddles. And a caseworker might come and say, how are you? And assess their fitness to be a parent. And I'm not just saying this to alarm you, but this happened to friends of mine. And so one of the big pieces of advice they gave me was to make sure that I stated very clearly that I was a capable parent from the very beginning. I'll leave it there because I really want to hear some of the questions you all have. To learn from my experience is the greatest gift I could give you. And it's the greatest gift for me to be able to talk to you and share my experiences. And the first question is from one of our attendees is what has been the most helpful advice you've received as a young mother who is blind? Oh, that's a great question. I've been given so much advice and I think really the the best piece of advice I've had has been given to me 
really has nothing to do with vision impairment, but I think it is the best piece of advice because no matter whether you're vision impaired or not as, as a new mum, I think it's really to trust your instincts and your gut. Um, there have been times where I have been at home with Lachlan on my own and, for example, I have thought he's been breathing a little bit differently and, he, you know, he sounds like he's breathing a bit differently and I trusted my gut and, and called my friend who was a doctor just to pop over and help me and that time there was absolutely nothing wrong. But the next time it happened, um, she said, I think he's got croup. And so I knew. I, I said she, she initially said to me, you know, are you sure you're not you're not overreacting? Remember, you you did this last time, and I said, no, no, I definitely know something's wrong. And she came over, and he did have croup, and we had to go off to the hospital and and be given oxygen and all those sorts of things. And to trust your gut is a really big thing, and it's not always easy um, because you don't want to be seen as a hypochondriac or be seen as overreacting. So I think trusting your gut is definitely the best piece of advice. But the other piece is not to be afraid to ask for help when you need it. It doesn't mean that I'm less of a woman, less of a person, less of a less of a mother, or that I'm incapable. It's just that if I'm struggling with something, it might just be easier to call someone over to provide some support. Thank you. So this one could be slightly tricky. As your son gets older, have you thought about how you will approach the myriad of situations where your son will be supporting you, like with Sighted Guide, where other kids are just kids? this can often cause some feelings of guilt. And do you have any perspective on this? Yeah, look, I think I've I've talked to a lot of other vision impaired parents about this and it, it is a thing. Guilt, the parent guilt really does become a, a thing. Um, but I can't, I can't imagine what that's going to be like until we get there. But I think I still maintain that I will be his parent. I'm not going to rely on him for sighted guide. He will be just holding my arm because that's the way we walk together to a place. But I will not be relying on him to tell me when to cross the road. I will be telling him to stop and to look left and right, and I will be waiting to tell him when to cross the road. There will be situations, no doubt. I I, I can't pretend there will not be situations where I might say to him, is there a sign over there or what shop are we next to if we're in unfamiliar spaces? But in the initial sort of, I guess, first 10 years of his life, I'm hoping I will just find scenarios for us where I will still have control about where we go, when we go, what we do, and um, and I will still very much be the parent. Thank you. I'm increasingly becoming frustrated, feeling like I'm speaking up and it's being heard, but in an echo chamber, mostly of others advocating for the same changes. What can we individually do to be heard by the wider public in terms of our experiences? Yeah, look, that's a really good question. I think ultimately uh, attitudes are the hardest thing to change. Um, it's not something we can we can do overnight. Um, there's going to be times where we get it wrong. But I think as individuals, what we can do is educate people. You know, every time I bump into someone in the street who wants to come up and just grab my arm and pull me onto the bus, even though it's the wrong bus, I stop them, tell them that I don't need their help in a polite way, explain to them that I'm that I'm all good, explaining how we live our lives, that that's one way. Um, being out in the community and just living our lives and coming into contact with different people. I mean, I have done various activities with my son in the last year from sensory play to, to music to swimming to gym classes and all of those teachers had never had a mum with disability in their classes now they're very well versed in how it all works and the kinds of you know ways they can make their classes more accessible. 
that's an individual way that I was able to, I guess, advocate for for my needs and the needs of other vision impaired mums, but also educate those teachers who are running those classes so they don't have the same, I guess, nerves that they had when they first had me approach them. Um, They won't have those same nerves when another mum with vision impairment or disability approaches them. From your perspective, what would some key enablers be for you to make hospitals a more supportive and accessible space? Yeah, really good question. I think there's a lot of work to be done in this space. I think really it's because, and this is no fault of doctors, I, I think they are incredible humans. I want to say that on the very first, very be up, very upfront about that. But I think it's not just doctors, it's not just receptionists, it's not just, you know, it's it's, it's everyone, I guess, that I've come into contact with. We need a level of understanding that things may take a long time to explain to people with disability. You might need to use different ways of explaining them, whether it be a storyboard, whether it be a social story, whether it be explaining something in a tactile way, drawing tactile diagrams, for example, showing someone with their hands about how a procedure will work, actually sitting with someone and talking to them about how a procedure will work from start to finish. Before my cesarean, I had never had anyone come to me and say, This is what's going to happen from A to B. And it's about listening to the patients and asking them about the things that make them nervous, the things that would make them more comfortable and putting those things in place to make it a better experience. New Horizons is the weekly radio program from Blind Citizens Australia. If you've got ideas for the program, contact me on new.horizons at bca.org.au. new.horizons at bca.org.au. If you'd like to find out more about the work of Blind Citizens Australia or the blind and vision impaired community generally, bca.org.au is the website, bca.org.au. You can, of course, contact them by phone on 1800 033 660. 1800 033 660. Or We'll achieve the realization of a dream of our dream.